Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. Yep, I'm gonna do it. I wasn't gonna do it, but now I decided to do it. I'm gonna start this episode with a Back to the Future reference. Yep, that's right, folks. That's how you know you're in the right place if you've listened to me before. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pat Flynn, host of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And this isn't our usual intro here. Usually you'll hear some music and I'll probably put that in in just a few minutes. But I wanted to start off by taking you into the DeLorean and we're gonna go back five years into the past, back to September 2011. That's exactly five years to the month that this episode goes live. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, what's the significance of September 2011? Well, that is the very first time I've ever spoken in public. And I'm gonna take you through the journey from the first time I've been on stage all the way up to the most recent time I've been on stage. And I wanna share with you the journey that I've had and how much my mindset has changed, what I've learned along the way, a lot of the mistakes I made, what I did to get better. And overall, what has it done for me in my business and why do I continue to do it? So let's go, hop right on in. Time circuits are ready. Let's go to 2011 in Schaumburg, Illinois for the Financial Blogger Conference, also known as FinCon 2011. Thanks, man. Hey, like seriously, let's all give Philip like the biggest round of applause. This has been an amazing experience. <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. This is incredible. Last to speak, right? I have a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, you can go home, I, I could have a really crappy presentation and you could think the conference sucked. And it's all my fault. But, you know, at last. Wow. Really what a way to start, Pat, by telling everybody that you could just ruin the entire conference. Of course, you could probably tell that I was a bit nervous, and by a bit, I mean a lot of it. And it was because I had never dreamed that I would be on stage in front of, well, at this event, hundreds of people and talking. This was something I was deathly afraid of doing. And now you might be wondering, well, Pat, why did you do it in the first place? Well, for a few reasons. I wanted to get into public speaking because I knew it was gonna be good for business, and actually I had been given the opportunity to do it several times before, but I had said no because I was just completely afraid of it. However, when my good friend Philip Taylor, the author of ptmoney.com, a financial blog that I was reading at the time, when he reached out to me and asked me to come speak at his event, I said yes. And it was his first event that he had ever put on, 
and I wanted to help him out. So I was excited, but also a little nervous. And I didn't know, however, you might remember by listening to the little clip that I play there in the beginning, and don't worry, I have a lot more clips for you, that I was going last. I didn't know I was gonna be last up at this event. I had a spot in the middle of the event, and that's what I was preparing for. However, two weeks before the event started, after several dozens of hours of practice, again, because I was completely nervous, PT calls me and he says, Pat, our closing keynote bailed. How would you like to take the last spot? And in my head, I was like, no, I, no, never. I would never do that. Why are you putting me on the spot? The, the, I'd rather die. And really, I felt like that. Well, what came out of my mouth was, PT, anything for you, man. I'm here for you. And then after I hung up, started to get sweaty palms, started to freak out, and I put in even more hours. And actually, I got so nervous about speaking at this particular event that I scripted everything I was going to say. I had written down word for word 20 pages of text that I was going to memorize, and that's exactly what I did. Now that I've been speaking for several years now, I realize just how dumb that was, um, but it was just a reflection of how not confident I was as, as a speaker. And also just how much I really wanted to help out PT because he asked me for a favor I wanted to deliver. Using memorization techniques to memorize that script, I actually spent a lot of time reading and doing research about how to deliver a great presentation. I read a great book by Dale Carnegie called Stand and Deliver, which I still highly recommend for anybody getting started in speaking. And uh, I loved it so much that I made the mistake of actually telling everybody that this was my first time on stage and I love that book so much. You taught me a lot too. I don't know if Ramit's here. Um, incredible presentation. You know, I've been reading a lot about presenting and public speaking. This is my first presentation, just like Adam's uh, first public speaking gig. And, uh, you know, I read uh, Stand and Deliver by Dale Carnegie and all the tips in there. Ramit did everything to it. No need for that. There's no need for that. Plus, I think the audience knew that I was kind of nervous because my voice would crack. Um, and really what saved my life was a blog. Blog. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is cringeworthy for you to listen to, but for me, while I'm editing this show right now, I am indeed cringing and wincing, and it's really hard for me to listen to because I know now what I did wrong. But I think this shows you that whenever you're just starting out with something, if it's your first time, you're gonna be terrible. You're gonna be bad, but the only way to get better is to keep doing it. So I ask you, what is your equivalent of me getting on stage back in 2011? What's that thing you know you need to do that is probably scaring you to death right now that you're probably gonna suck at at first that you just need to do? And hopefully through the course of the rest of this episode, you're gonna hear just how I've been able to improve, what I've done to make those improvements. And part of that is actually appreciating the small wins along the way. Because although I wasn't perfect and although I was cringeworthy at first, I did do some things right. One thing I learned from him was going for the big win. So one day I go to my boss and I say, I'm worth this much. This is how much I should be earning. Next day, $20,000 raise. Thanks to Ramin. Four months later, I was laid off. <laughs> I, don't know I told stories. And I found that when I was telling stories on stage, people listened and they engaged. And if I timed it right, I could get a laugh or a head nod from the entire crowd. 
Here's another story that Something I told. Something that not a lot of people talk about. I want you to seek engagement. Get your audience to participate. How many of you have tweeted about FinCon this weekend? Why? Because we're all a part of it. And we all support it because we're a part of it. So have people become a part of your brand and have them support you in the same way. I said earlier in the beginning of my presentation that I was a short kid. A lot of my friends like to play basketball, unfortunately. And because they were my friends, they invited me to play basketball, which was nice of them. But I was last picked for teams. I was never passed the ball. I never got to shoot the ball. I was just there running around like a chicken without a head. And it's, it, I, I didn't feel like I was really there, even though I was. And then they had the opportunity to do some local three-on-three basketball tournaments, and they set up teams. And obviously, I wasn't good enough to be on the team. wasn't tall enough, too. But they were like, Pat, you should come out and support the team. And I was like, no, no thanks. And the reason was they didn't really include me very much. But I, I guarantee you that if they passed me the ball a couple times, if they let me shoot and miss and just encouraged me and let me participate, I would have been there like that. I would have squirted Gatorade in their mouth during timeouts. I would have patted them with towels. I would have given them massages. I don't, I don't do that for free. I monetize, no. The funny thing was, after the presentation was over, and it was only 20 minutes, but it was the longest 20 minutes of my life, I thought I did very poorly. I was expecting a number of people to come up to me and say, Pat, you should never be on stage again. Pat, you were terrible. Pat, you just didn't really intrigue me. But the exact opposite happened. After the presentation was over and after the conference ended, I had a line of people who wanted to talk to me, who gave me their business cards, who said thank you so much, who said it was really inspiring, who said there were a couple points in there that are truly gonna change the course of their business. And that's when I got hooked. I got obsessed with how I could become a better speaker. The only problem was, well, I didn't know where else I was gonna speak. I, it wasn't like I was planning you know, a whole year's worth of speaking. But soon enough, the speaking opportunities did come my way, and I always said yes. And then I'd be really nervous again. I'd always question why I say yes to these things because I get to a point where I'm like, Pat, why do you put yourself in these situations? You don't have to. You're just a blogger. That's all you need to do. Hide behind your little screen and your WordPress platform and you can do it that way. But again, I knew that the speaking thing is awesome and it's a way to build authority. And plus, I remember what it was like after I spoke at FinCon in 2011 and what it was like when people came up to me and just enjoyed it so much. So I soon realized that this fear, this resistance as they sometimes call it, that tries to stop us from doing these amazing things like speaking or whatever your equivalent is, that's actually a sign that whatever it is that you're trying to do is something that's meaningful to you. And for me, now I look toward that fear. I try to find it because I'm serious. If I don't feel nervous about something I'm doing, it's probably not big enough anymore to actually make a big difference. And so I challenge you to find that fear. And if you're there already, great. But of course, you gotta take action on that thing. And I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about what I did to conquer this fear of speaking. Now, I will say that I, I still get nervous before I speak. Every time before I speak, even just the last one I did last month, I still get really nervous to a point where sometimes I feel like throwing up, like it hurts in my gut. But I don't fear it anymore. I get excited about it. And I hack my thinking to know that, well, this is something that's meaningful to me. So what happened next? 
Well, I found that fear in an upcoming presentation at Blog World Expo in Los Angeles. Again, this is late 2011 now. And I was really excited because Blog World Expo was actually the very first conference that I ever attended a year before. And it was in Vegas, and this was the first time it was doing a sort of LA and New York two-time-a-year kind of thing. But then it switched back to Las Vegas, and then it became known as New Media Expo, which was my home conference, if you will, the one where most of my audience and my fans were at and it was my favorite conference to go to up until 2015 when that was the last time I spoke. And we'll get into that presentation later. But the event's no longer around, unfortunately. But there are still a lot of great events to attend. But going back to 2011, this was going to be the biggest presentation of my life. And so I spent, like I did before, quite amount of time rehearsing and preparing for it. The title of the presentation was How to Be Everywhere. And it was about how a lot of people were saying, Pat, you're... Everywhere, it seems. Everywhere I go, there you are. And so I was giving people a strategy on how, to their public audience, they could seem like they were everywhere, too. I wasn't literally everywhere, but I made it seem that way with all the different platforms I was on, and I wanted to talk about that. And going into this presentation, I had one goal in mind, and that was to know the content so well that I didn't need the slides. That was the one thing I picked up between FinCon and this event was that a lot of people use and rely on their slides to help them with their content. So I figured if I didn't need that, if I could show slides but show that I just knew the content and didn't even have to look back, that it would be very impressive and I would stand out. So that's what I did and I learned the content so much, I choreographed the slides with what I was saying and I knew it by heart. And so when the event happened, I was really excited up until there was a technical glitch that happened during my presentation that made me want to just run away forever. The fact of the matter is this, we all want more eyes on our brand. We all want more traffic, more people coming to our site. And there's no better way to do that, I feel, and I've experienced, than with this idea of being everywhere. So being everywhere to me means a couple of things. One, it means reaching out to new platforms other than your blog. Get people to know who you are on these other platforms. People who are just hungry to devour your content, but they just, don't know who you are because you're not where they're, they're at. And the second thing about being everywhere, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Is that the way it's supposed to look? That's not the way it's supposed to look. Oh my gosh. Do I have a tech guy in the room? I'm sorry, guys. Okay. Well, I'm supposed to say being everywhere. <laughs> I'm a little freaked out because a lot of my content is supposed to be on there in that, in that, in that font, but that's okay. Just, just listen to me and don't, don't look at the slides. <laughs> so being everywhere. The second part of being, about being everywhere is this. And again, for those of you walking in, the slides are jacked up. <laughs> so the second thing about being everywhere is this. So what happened? Well, what happened was I had built my keynote presentation on my computer at home and I had taken a thumb drive and then imported it into the computer that was there at the event. And everything was fine and dandy until there were slides that included fonts because in my presentation at home, I included special fonts that were downloaded on the internet, which that computer that I loaded it onto did not have. So instead of using the special fonts that I included myself, it defaulted to Arial, which relative to the fonts that I was using was much wider. So a slide that popped up that was supposed to say being everywhere had instead said B-E-I and then every W. 
and that's it. And that slide was up there. You can't tell from the audio, but that was actually up there for about three to four minutes as I was speaking. And that's why when I finally turned around, I was like, why didn't you guys tell me? Because I was just speaking in front of this thing that was incorrect the whole time. Now for a split moment, maybe 30 seconds, I wanted to ditch. I couldn't believe after all that work that my slides were messed up and I just wanted to leave. But you all heard what I ended up saying. I said, guys, don't worry about the slides, just look at me. And thankfully, I had spent so much time rehearsing the content in this presentation that the slides weren't even needed at all. And what was really funny was after the presentation was over, a number of people came up to me and they said, Pat, did you do that on purpose? Because it made it seem like you knew exactly what you were talking about. And it was different than any other presentation I've ever seen. And my first reaction was, heck no, I mean, why would I ever do that to myself? But secondly, I thought it was really cool because it showed that I handled that in the right way. And it proved that I knew the content. So I'm very thankful I spent all that time rehearsing, like I said. But I'm also very thankful because I learned a huge lesson. A couple lessons, actually. First of all, if you're gonna use another computer to house your presentation, make sure it includes the fonts that you included in your presentation too, so that that never happens to you. And I'm happy to say that's never happened to me since. I've also learned a trick that if you don't have any audio or video files in your presentation, just export it as a PDF file. That way you can be sure that no matter what, it's not about the fonts, it's just images, so you'll be good. The second lesson I learned was that when you start out, you're gonna suck, you're gonna make big mistakes like this, but you gotta keep going. This was a rookie mistake, but if I let it stop me, if I ran off stage or if I decided to quit after that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be speaking in front of thousands of people. I wouldn't be getting paid for it eventually, which I wasn't at this point. I was doing all my speaking for free to get my name out there. So because I wanted to go big with it, because I wanted to get serious, I hired a coach so I could get better. And I found this coach through our good friend Corbett Barr over at fizzle.co, because I had heard that he had an amazing presentation and he had a coach helping him on that one. So I hired the same coach, his name was Mike Pacione, and he was awesome. He actually trained under Nancy Duarte, who I've mentioned on the blog before, she's been featured in my book club with a couple books like Resonate and Slideology. She's helped people like Al Gore with his presentations. So to train under one of her students was amazing. But I will say it was a very tough experience because he just drilled me for a lot of things. I wish I had some audio recordings of some of those chats we had because it really put me on the spot. It really had me sweating, but it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And the funny thing was he didn't really tell me what to do. Like many good coaches that I've worked with since then, I found that he just, he just always seemed to ask the right questions that got me thinking in the right way. That's how he directed, was through questions. For example, he would always ask, okay, well, who's in the audience? And so we would spend a lot of time for some upcoming presentations determining who was actually in the audience, like the exact people who were gonna be in there so I would know about them, so I could understand again and answer the question, what transformation do I want people in that audience to have? Meaning, what do they come in with? And then what do I give them and what do they come out with? You've heard me talk about transformation a lot here on the podcast, on the blog, on SPI TV. That's really where this all stemmed from, was my work with Mike in my speaking. Speaking has carried over into a lot of other things, podcasting especially, video, anytime I'm sharing a message, which is obviously anything I do online, even social media, 
I've always thought back at some of the lessons I've learned from Mike. For example, another big lesson I learned was just how important first impressions are, especially in front of audiences who you've never met before. There's a lot of things that you can do to stack things in your favor, even before a presentation starts, to have a great presentation from the person introducing you, making sure that they know what to say and how to say it properly, to going into the crowd and shaking people's hand beforehand, just to make yourself and the crowd feel a little bit more comfortable so you have some sort of connection there already, to even what you're wearing. In 2013, I spoke at New Media Expo, and which was formerly Blog World Expo again. Um, and this was the first time I actually dressed up to go to a presentation or actually thought consciously about what I was wearing. And I did everything I could to match the slides to what I was wearing, the black and red theme with the uh, slides that I was using and all that kind of stuff. Like on the surface, it might not seem like it mattered, but I did get comments from people who said specifically, Pat, I love how you dressed professionally because other people in the crowd or the, uh, the other people in the speaker reel didn't. And they liked how it matched the slides. They thought the careful attention to detail was really, really professional. And that helped me stand out for sure. So before I play a clip for you from 2013, from New Media Expo, um, which was the first presentation I did after getting coaching, it was really interesting because the presentation itself was redone about three different times. Mike, I know you're listening to this. You probably remember this. We had a whole different deck, a whole different presentation before things just finally started to come together. And that was a big struggle. This was the biggest struggle working with Mike, not because he was hard to work with, but because I know he wanted me to succeed. And I had thought things should be a certain way and he had to keep questioning it. And I always was asking me, well, how are you emphasizing this point? What is this transformation? Are you, are you actually supporting that transformation with this stuff? And then all of a sudden things just happen to click. And I find that the more I work through something, especially when it's hard, obviously the more likely I am to get to a point where things will finally come together and they did. I just It seemed like one day they just finally came together and I knew it wasn't just because of one day though, it was because of all the training and the coaching that I got. And then I started 2013 with a bang with this presentation, which is all about the power of free, using free in your brand. So there were a couple of things I did to stack things again in my favor to make a good first impression. So when people were coming in, I not only welcomed people into the room before they were coming on, and there was a little bit of a struggle there because the people who were speaking right before me at this event uh, went over their time. So that's stuff that you can't control, and you have to kind of adjust and adapt to certain situations like that. But anyway, to set things up, I actually had two containers. And in one container, there were lint chocolate truffles. And in another container were Hershey's Kisses. So chocolates, two different chocolates, one obviously worth more than the other, the lint chocolate truffles being substantially more than the Hershey's Kiss. But I told people that they could only pick from one container, either the truffle or the Hershey's Kiss. And as you might guess, most people selected a lint chocolate truffle. I would say 98% of people did. And that actually played a role in some data that I shared later in the presentation. About halfway through, I talked about an experiment that was done at a university involving those two chocolates. And so the experiment, just to make sure that you guys know what it's about and aren't just like, well, Pat, I, I don't get it. So really quick, there's a guy named Dan Ariely. He studies economics uh, at a university. And he did this experiment where he sold his students a lint chocolate truffle for 26 cents 
or a Hershey's Kiss for one cent. So you could choose one. So which one would you choose? If you saw a Lint Chocolate Truffle for 26 cents or a Hershey's Kiss for one cent, well, most people ended up buying the Lint Truffle because it was obviously a lot of value there for uh, the 26 cents. But he then later did the same thing except dropped the price of each just one cent. So the relative difference between the price of both chocolates were the same. The Lint Chocolate Truffle was a quarter and the Hershey's Kiss was free. And then most of the people, 90%, ended up opting for the free Hershey's Kiss, even though the relative price between the two was the same. So you can conclude that free is indeed a very powerful force. And because I ran that experiment there live at the event and people were participants, it became that much more of a sticking point for them. And that was one of the things that I heard later on that was really cool because it kind of put everything together. So I'm gonna play a little bit of a clip from it just to give you an idea of just how much more confident you could tell I am in this presentation. Free is powerful. It moves people, sometimes in mass. It's ridiculous. Just, we're kind of trained when we're kids to just gravitate toward free. I mean, imagine a pinata exploding and just kids going buck wild on the candy. They don't even care what candy it is. They just want to grab as much as possible. Free is so attractive and so magnetic we should all be using free. Not just your content though. Yes, our, free, our content is free, but I'm talking about stuff that's beyond your content. We'll talk about why in a second. Unlike cupcakes or Grand Slams or even a car, what we can give away as people who do business online and have blogs, that stuff can be replicated, duplicated, it can work for us over and over again. Once someone eats the cupcake, the cupcake is gone, but our thing that we can give away for free will be there forever and continue to work for us. You just gotta put up the time up front. That's the only thing you're investing in this. There's a little bit of time to figure out exactly what your target audience wants, what they need to get there, and introducing free as an indirect route to earnings. So much better, so much more confident you can tell and yes, it was well rehearsed. But the one thing I wanna say about rehearsing is I did it completely different than I used to because Mike called me out on it. When we first started working together, he asked me how I prepared for my presentations and I told him that I wanted to get it right so I would write every single word down and memorize it. And he couldn't believe it. He, he first of all, just couldn't believe that I could memorize 20 pages of notes like that, uh, but I did. And then he said, well, you should be an actor. And I said, no, I shouldn't because I'm a terrible actor. But anyway, beyond that, he said, you are doing your audience a disservice by writing down every single word. And I didn't understand that. It took me a while to understand it until he really explained it. And he said that by writing it down, you're not allowing yourself to be creative and be yourself on stage. Because when you think about it, you listening on the other end, if you and I were having a conversation it would be weird if I had came in with some sort of script, right? And it would be weird if I had just started reading off answers to your questions, if you had questions for me. That's not how we interact in real life. And when you think about your favorite professors or your favorite teachers, they typically or probably didn't read off every single word that they read to you. More than likely, they had a game plan, they had an outline, and then just spoke from experience and trusted their experience to share it in a way that was memorable and intelligent and useful and valuable. And that's what Mike wanted me to do. And that was a very hard thing for me to get over. I couldn't imagine not writing down everything because I didn't trust myself. Again, I didn't 
trust myself. And it wasn't until I realized that it was similar to sharing this information with a friend where I wouldn't come in with a whole scripted item. I would come in with outlines and certain points and certain stories that I wanted to tell. And I should rely on myself and trust myself to tell those stories in a way like I'm doing right now with this podcast. I simply have an outline in front of me, but that's it. I know what points I'm gonna talk about. That is my roadmap. And when you're doing a presentation, your slides are there not to read off of and, and, and be the script for you, but to be there as your talking points or reminders and guides for what stories to tell, what data points to make, what questions to ask, how to participate with the audience at that point in time. When you think about a trail, for example, you start at the beginning and you, then you go through the forest and you see signs, right? You see signs that say, go this way or go this way or watch out for that. That's what slides are. They aren't just there to be word for word, word bullet points that you read off of where you're looking back the whole time and not even facing your audience. They're there to remind yourself what you should be talking about, but also to be a point at which your audience can know that that's the thing that's being discussed, but then they focus back on you. And that was the one thing I noticed more than anything in this particular presentation. Yes, I prepared a lot. Yes, there were moments that I was trying out that were new. And even at the end, I tried a reverse Q&A. I wanted to do something different there where I wasn't actually getting questions asked to me, but I had people coming up tell me about their business and asking questions to them to see what free thing they could offer their audience. And fun fact, John Lee Dumas was in that audience. He was there first time at a conference, just starting out Entrepreneur on Fire, and he came up, he volunteered, and he told me what his business was, and I dissected that, and I told him what he should do. He should take some of his top interviews and turn those into a PDF file that he can then use to a lead, for a lead magnet to build his email list, and he did that within a week, and that's the kind of action man that he is, and since then, as many of you know, he's had now thousands of episodes recorded and has made millions of dollars online, and... Um, I'm not gonna take full credit for that, but I was episode number one of Entrepreneur on Fire. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> but after this, I started to realize these small things and big things that I could do to really get my audience to remember certain points, to remember myself, to remember what I was saying and to stand out from all the other speakers out there. And I was really excited to get an invite for the fall of 2013 back to FinCon or the Financial Blogger Conference, FinCon 2013. I hadn't gone the previous year. I actually wanted to go, but my wife was due in and around that time with our daughter and thank God I didn't go because she gave birth during FinCon. They actually made an announcement during FinCon 12 that my wife gave birth and I heard there was uh, an applause and Adam Baker, if you're out there, thank you so much for that shout out. I really appreciate it. But 2013 and I was invited to do not just a presentation or any old presentation, I was invited to do the opening keynote, the opening keynote. And to come around full circle two years after I had spoken at 2011, it just, I wanted to go all out and put everything I had into that presentation because I owe FinCon. And that's why I continue to feel FinCon is one of the best conferences out there. And it's more than just a personal finance blogger conference now. So many people in and around the online business and online marketing entrepreneurship industry from all different niches attend this event. And you should too if you have a chance. I will most likely be there. I will be there this year. Uh, it's typically in September and maybe I'll see you there. So to prepare for this presentation, again, like I said, I wanted to go all out. I felt like I owed FinCon so much for getting my start on stage because beyond the presentations I've already featured in this podcast episode and talked about, 
I had been speaking a lot of other places, more local and smaller events, uh, just a few hundred people, but some paid very, very well. And at first I started to get paid $1,500, $3,000 for about 45 minutes. Then it got all the way up to five, $6,000. My name had started to go out there. Conference directors were talking about just how much they loved having me there, not just because I was providing a lot of great content and I was providing unique content, but I always stayed in the audience before and after I shared my presentation. And I would always interact and I, would, I was always there to answer questions for people and they love that. And that's, what some, that's one of the things that conference directors often look for because they wanna provide a lot of value to their own audience and speakers can obviously do that. So to prepare for this presentation, I spent a lot of hours, over 250 hours, and I tracked it because I knew it was gonna be quite a while. But it was probably a little too much, but I, I wanted to make sure I got it right because as the opening keynote for this presentation, I wanted to start with a bang. And like I said earlier, back when I was working with Mike, I had learned recently just how important first impressions were. And that was something that I felt that at the time, a lot of bloggers, especially in the personal finance space, were not really paying attention to. And so when people visit your site, they typically have only four uh, to seven seconds. Four to seven seconds, that's all you have to make a good first impression or else they're out of there. And most of the time when people leave within that short amount of time, they're not gonna come back. So I wanted to stress the importance of first impressions and I thought, hey, what better way to start a presentation about first impressions than with a first impression you could never forget. So let me set the stage for you if you will, for this presentation. So a room full of 500 to 600 people, packed room. This is in St. Louis. And I was getting introduced by a good buddy of mine, J.D. Roth, who was the former owner of GetRichSlowly.org, one of the very first blogs that I've ever read. And he was introducing me and I had run up from the back of the stage. And as I'm climbing up on the stage, I trip and I fall flat on my face. On purpose though. Like I had practiced how to fall properly. And so after falling on stage in front of everybody, I pause for a few seconds and then pop myself back up and then actually walk in reverse the same way I came up on stage while the music that had originally played me on was actually playing in reverse as well. So I was rewinding. And then from there, I'd go back on stage and say these very famous words that uh, were relevant to all this. And I'll play that for you right now, including my entrance my fall and the beautiful sound of the microphone leaving feedback, which was totally unplanned, but it worked out perfectly. So here's my entrance. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pat Flynn. If there's one thing 
I want you to take away from this talk. It's this. First impressions matter. <laughs> they matter because we don't get a second chance to make a first impression. You can't rewind a first time. There are no do-overs or mulligans when it comes to the first time anybody experiences anything. And that first impression you make is so important, vital, because it directly influences everything that happens from that point forward. So yeah, I actually did it. I actually fell on stage and I actually hurt myself. Later, after the adrenaline was gone and uh, I caught my breath, as you could tell, I was probably a little bit out of breath because of all the running I was doing. I didn't actually account for how long the stage was or how long the, the conference room was, but I actually had bruised a rib when I was falling because when I was practicing, I was practicing on carpet. Well, the stage was wood, and when wood meets rib, not good things happen. So, yeah, but it was totally worth it because a lot of people reacted and literally thought that I had fell on stage. I saw a few people in the front row get up and want to help me. A number of people had put their hands over their mouths because they just couldn't believe it. And even to this day, people still bring up that little moment at FinCon, which is super cool. And so hopefully that gets people to remember how important it is. And, you know, if Pat can fall at the beginning of his presentation, nobody else has an excuse, right? So I'm going to play a few more clips from this presentation because I did a lot of things that were different and I tested a lot of things that worked really, really well. So you can probably tell by now that I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable about what I'm doing on stage. It was at this point, exactly two years after my first presentation, that I started to feel like I owned the stage so that my time on there was my time to do whatever I wanted. And it wasn't the stage controlling me anymore or the audience worrying me, even though, like I said earlier, I still get nervous and I was definitely nervous before this one. I implemented a lot of new strategies that I wanted to see how they worked and they worked really, really well. One of them being actually focusing on people in the audience and connecting and building trust with them early by highlighting some members from that exact audience. And before I start talking more about first impressions, I just want to say it feels great to be back at FinCon. Are you guys excited to be at FinCon? I'm excited. I know you guys are excited. You know how I know you're excited? Because I've been following the hashtag. <laughs> and I've been reading the messages on Facebook. And there's a few messages and tweets I want to share with you from some of you out there. And this first one comes from Smart Money Chick. She said, this was actually on March 5th, when tickets went on sale. <laughs> she said, I woke up giddy like a schoolgirl. It's actually how I woke up this morning. <laughs> said, FinCon 13 tickets go on sale in like an hour. Yay. Here's one from Agatha. Said, Who's ready for a FinCon 13 photo op? At Empowered Dollar, remember the 80 shots from FinCon 12? Of course, I have a picture to go along with this. <laughs> and I want that boombox, but that's awesome. Here's one from Travis. He said, who has two thumbs and is excited to leave for FinCon tomorrow? This guy. Here's one from Eric. This isn't really a thing about excitement. It's just a tip for himself. He said, smartest thing I can do. Put off dating until after FinCon. Not like last year with the new girlfriend who was crazy. <laughs> and, and ladies, I talked to Eric just to confirm he doesn't have a girlfriend right now, so. 
And this is my favorite. This is one from Scott. He said, is it bad that I'm more excited about FinCon than I was for my family's trip to Disney last year? And then Lance said, not if you don't tell your family. To which Scott replied, So I had him hooked right from the beginning, just by sharing a few tweets, a few Facebook messages that were found using the hashtag. And I found that if you speak in front of a very close-knit community, like the FinCon community, or I recently did this at the Everything Food Blogger Conference because the food bloggers are all very tight with each other too. If you can highlight a few of their members in a special way at the beginning, you got your audience hooked, all of them, because they're all family. And so that worked out really well. Another thing that I focused on that I wanted to add into this presentation was better audience participation. I learned that the more you can get your audience to participate, the more likely they are to be engaged and actually take action on the content that you're sharing. So one thing I learned was that you can get your audience really easily to participate by raising their hand. You ask them questions, you have them raise their hand. However, the other part of that is you want to make sure that everybody raises their hand at some point. So you don't want to just ask one question and then leave the other guys hanging. You want to ask one question and then however many questions you need to ask after that to get or cover all your bases. Yes, not everybody will raise their hand uh, no matter how many questions you ask because just some people don't like raising their hand. But as long as in their head they're raising their hand, if that makes sense, you're covering all those bases, you're covering all options then you're good. You have them participating and engaged. So you're going to hear me run through uh, something similar right here in this presentation. Who's here for the first time? This is your very first FinCon. Raise your hand. Wow. Welcome. Put your hands down. Who's here for a second time? This is your second FinCon. Sweet. And third time. You've been here since the beginning of all FinCons. Nice. Now, if you had anything to do with putting this conference together, anything, you're a volunteer, raise your hand up super high. So the rest of us can just thank you for the work that you've done. So after that very successful keynote, I was really excited to do a lot more just like that one. Plus, I was starting to get paid for what I was doing. Before that, I was doing all my presentations for free. Actually, FinCon 13 was one of the first ones where I ever got paid. And after that, I started to do a lot of smaller events here and there in front of a couple hundred people for different companies and whatnot. But I was getting paid thousands of dollars, anywhere between 1,500 to up to $10,000 for some of my content, which was completely amazing. And to think back just a couple of years earlier that I was definitely afraid of getting on stage, Obviously, very motivating to go up there and get paid for it. But more than that, it was the feedback I was getting from everybody who was taking action on the content that I was presenting, who would often follow up with me via email later on. That was truly driving me forward. Now, my next big presentation was at New Media Expo, previously known as Blog World Expo, in 2014. And this was a presentation titled, How to Convert Your Casual Readers into Raving Fans. Many of you have seen this one or heard about it. And I didn't know at the time but that would become one of the most popular presentations that I would ever do. Exactly. Here's a clip from what it. They're going through. That's the first thing. Second thing I want to talk about, actually, a lot of you have probably done this already. I want you to imagine having a conversation with somebody that you've just met for the first time, right? Totally brand new, something you're probably going to be doing a lot here this week, this weekend. And the conversations always start out the same, you know, that small talk, right? Like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from San Diego, California. Oh, that's cool. How about you? Or my blog's at Smart Passive Income. That's cool. How about you? But then all of a sudden, in the middle of that conversation, one of you will share something that both of you have experienced before, right? It'll be like, um, hey, what school did you go to? Oh, I went to Cal, UC Berkeley. You went to Cal? I went to Cal. Are you serious? What year did you graduate? 05? 06? Oh my gosh, awesome, best friends forever, go Bears. 
right? Like that's how friendships start and that's how you can convert your casual audience into active members by sharing these really interesting things about you that people can connect with on an individual level. You have to put a little bit of you in your brand. Put you into your brand. This is why I spend money to have my voiceover guy at the beginning of each of my podcast episodes share a different random fact about who I am. And when I started doing this, people who are experts in the industry were saying things like, Pat, like this is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, why would you waste your time and your money doing this? And now those people are coming back to me six and a half million downloads later in my podcast saying, Pat, you are genius. <laughs> and my response is, no, I'm just being human. I'm just being a human being online who knows how to connect with people. So share these interesting things about you with your audience. And you don't have to go overboard. You can just share these random things. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a conference and people have come up to me and it's the first time I've ever met them, but they say things like, Pat, how'd your fantasy football team do? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it this year. <laughs> I had somebody last night say, Pat, I'm also half Filipino. And I was like, sweet, Pinoy pride, right? And then, you know, I had a guy, I had a guy come up to me at, uh, at one conference one time. He came up to me like a little too close. Like I was wondering what he was going to do. He was like coming up to my ear and he's like, Pat, I'm also scared of spiders. <laughs> and then we hugged it out. <laughs> you know, so connecting with people on an individual level like that by sharing these things about yourself are going to go a very, very long way. You could probably tell by listening to this that I am a much more confident speaker at this point. And I didn't know, like I said earlier, that this presentation was gonna be one that I would do over and over and over again. I would be asked to do this one specifically. It had made so much noise, especially because I actually I did some things at the end there that I didn't share with you, where I actually included magic. I actually hired a magician to help me understand how I could better deliver these messages through magic, which part of the conversation here was about creating magical moments for your audience. And so I incorporated magic and we did some really cool things with a can of pineapples and a beach ball. Anyway, that presentation is available on YouTube if you wanna go ahead and check that out. We'll put it in the show notes and all that stuff and links to all these different presentations that I mentioned to, uh, at least those that are public, so that you can watch them if you want. Well, I didn't know that it was even possible or it was allowed for a speaker to do a presentation over again. And now it sounds kind of funny when I say that, but when I had presented at NMX at 2014, that particular presentation was probably the 15th or 16th completely brand new presentation that I had ever made. I had never repeated a presentation that I had done before up until August 2014 when I did that same presentation that you just heard in Australia for the ProBlogger Conference with Darren Rouse. And it was an amazing event. Obviously going to Australia was fantastic. I got to bring my family with me, which was great. But more than that, doing this presentation for the second time, which again, I had never done before, it was amazing. I was actually scared at first because I know what the content was. I know that I had done it before, but that doesn't matter. What matters is the audience that I was speaking to had never heard it before. And because of that, it actually became an even stronger presentation because I had gone over the presentation, I'd watched the replay and picked out the things that worked really well, made sure to include those things and figured out what I could do better so that I could deliver this amazing presentation in Australia. And since then, I've performed this particular presentation, gosh, I would say at least a dozen times now and paid for most of them. A few more conferences I wanted to give a shout out to because they've just been massively supportive in my effort. 
to become a public speaker. Michael Hyatt and his platform conference, I actually opened the very first time I was on stage at platform by playing the trumpet, which was really fun. And that is a much smaller event, but a lot more intimate and a lot of great relationships have formed by going to the platform conference. So I recommend that one if you have a chance to go to that. I also spoke at all of the social media marketing worlds here in San Diego, which is put on by Michael Stelzner. I highly recommend that conference, huge conference, but extremely valuable. And of course, it's my in my hometown, so uh, make your way over if you can. There's also Traffic and Conversion Summit, which happens in San Diego, which is really cool. That's, uh, of all the conferences, that one has the most advanced information in terms of traffic building and affiliate marketing and all that kinds of stuff, which is really fun. I also spoke at Agents of Change in Maine for Rich Brooks and of course, Podcast Movement where I started to experiment even more. That was the one thing that I noticed that as I started to speak more, I started to keep upping myself and raising the bar higher and higher and higher and it worried me a little bit because every time I did something, I felt like I had to outdo myself the next time and probably the biggest thing I did was in 2015 at the very last New Media Expo that there ever was. When I had the keynote, I did so well the previous year with that casual audience presentation that I was asked to do the keynote the year after. And I'm not gonna play any clips from it because I need you to see it in full, to get the full experience. But just to give you an idea, I start the presentation with a movie that I filmed. I actually filmed it on the same parking lot that Back to the Future was filmed back in the 80s. And it was a Back to the Future themed presentation. So I filmed myself in this movie and literally 30 people came out to help film this little short film of mine, which had me at the end of the short film exiting in a DeLorean. I actually got to drive a DeLorean. And so it had me going 88 miles per hour, didn't really go 88 miles per hour, but it made it seem like it. And I disappear in the short film and then on stage at NMX, I come from the back of the room in a real life DeLorean. So I was fulfilling my childhood dream. I got to arrive on stage in a DeLorean. It happened to be the 30 year anniversary, this was 2015, of Back to the Future. And it was one of the most amazing experiences and a moment that I and everybody in the room would never forget. So the video is linked to in the show notes again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 230 if you wanna check that out. And you know now that now when I speak, everybody who has seen me speak before is like, "Hey, did you bring the DeLorean with you?" And no, because well, it costs a significant amount of money to rent that day, and it was just a once in a lifetime thing. So I'm so glad I did that, and I'm so glad it was captured on film. Big shout out to Caleb, my videographer, for capturing that in multiple cameras, and all the film crew that was with him that day on stage at New Media Expo in Las Vegas. Now to finish up, I wanted to share a presentation with you from. Podcast Movement. This was Podcast Movement 2015. I recently spoke there in 2016 in Chicago, but 2015, it was, where was it? It was in Fort Worth, Texas, and it was the opening keynote. I had actually won an award there the night before, which was the best business podcast of 2015, so thank you to everybody who had voted and supported me for that, but I wanted to finish off this particular episode by sharing a clip from that presentation because I had done something I had never done before because this was a podcasting event, because I was doing the opening keynote, and because 2015 was the year of the Serial podcast, which I know a lot of you have listened to, I wanted to add some of those elements from Serial that I liked into my presentation. So I told stories, but I did it in a different way. I did it with sometimes background music behind me. I used different multimedia. I used audio clips from other people that were inserted into the presentation too, and it was a lot of fun. But the one thing I did that I had never seen anybody do anywhere was I pretended to forget my lines 
And I had a voice play over the speakers that was supposed to be the voice in my head. This is what it sounded like. People. We're gonna make a lot of great connections that we can bring home with, home with us as well. We're gonna party it up too, I'm sure. Some of you have already done that. And a lot of you, not a lot of you, but maybe some of you are maybe gonna drink a little too much. Uh, and just as a reminder, you know, we'll go home and talk about it on our podcast. So just be, <laughs> just be careful. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's like at least we all have audio podcasts, or most of us do. So, you know, the visuals are left out. But some of us do have video podcasts. So if you see me with a camera, just behave yourself, okay? Now, I wanted to take this time on stage here. You know, I'm so blessed to be here. I wanted to take about 30 minutes with you. And I want to stress that 30 part because I know we're all tired of being stuck at 20. Thanks, iTunes. We appreciate that. So 30 minutes to kind of talk about something I really wanted to talk about, something I've been thinking about ever since I've been in, invited to speak on stage here. And, and it kind of, it, it brings me back to 2008, or 2000, 2009, sorry. Um, excuse me, hold on. It's really hot in Texas. Um, Pat, what are you doing? Uh, hello? Pat, what are you doing? You're the keynote speaker and you are dropping the ball. Um, excuse me, can you not interrupt my presentation, please? Oh, excuse me, can you not interrupt my presentation? The golly, Pat! Did you put that music bit in there to hide how terrible your presentation was going to be? Jeez, what? Can, guys, can the mic guys in the back cut off that mic, please? You can't get rid of me, Pat. I've hacked into your presentation, and it's just you and me. And honestly, I'll keep going because somebody has got to fill that dead air you wafted into the building. Oh, my God. Uh, can you just listen to me, please? You were, this is ridiculous. I would rather listen to a five-year-old episode of one of the bottom 100 podcasts on iTunes recorded in an echo chamber on a plastic desktop microphone on a Gateway 486DX2 computer using a voice recorder in Windows 3.1 at half speed, backwards, on my iPhone 3 with earbuds that don't even fit. Then listen to any more of your BS uh, I don't know where you are, but you know, if you were a real man, you would come up here to the stage right now and face me. Or maybe you're in the back of the room, I can't see you, but can you raise your hand, please? Whoever's saying that? Hand is raised, Pat. Really? Where, where are you? Here, let me help you out. Hello, McFlynn! Anybody home? Seriously, what's going on here? I'm in your head, Pat. Uh, yeah, so stop interrupting me so I can get back to the presentation, please. No, Pat. I mean, I'm in your head. I'm the voice in your head. Wait, and you have a British accent? <laughs> well, for now, but perhaps you'd prefer one man, one stage. Pat Flynn in the critically acclaimed number one disaster movie of the year, your keynote presentation. 
Ha ha, very funny. No, let's not do the movie guy voice, please. You are literally screwing this entire thing up. No, no. Wait, was that Chris Ducker? You're Batman. Oh, boy, Batman. Look at you. Stretch your way up to the stage. Sit down, little girly man. Your presentation's going to blow. Can you, can you please just let me finish my keynote? <laughs> keynote? More like key nope. <laughs> oh, dear me. All right, fine. I'll let you start again. No interruptions. No interruptions? No interruptions, I promise. Thank you. Sorry. Gets in the way sometimes. Don't so screw up. <laughs> So as I was saying... You got this, Pat. No pressure. I thought you said you weren't going to interrupt me. I thought you said you practiced. I'm in your head, Pat. No pressure. You got this, Pat. You are literally screwing this entire thing up. Pat, I'm still here, Pat. I will always be here. And scene. If somebody were to talk to you like that in real life, to interrupt you like that, embarrass you, how would you feel about that person? If you were really struggling and you just needed a boost of confidence or a little bit of encouragement, yet instead somebody just tore you down and kicked you while you were down, how, how, what would you feel about that person? Right? It'd be very easy just to say, you know what, what are you doing here? Get out of my life. Like, what the heck? You're in my way. I'm trying to do something important here. Yep. For whatever reason, we all love to keep this one hater with us in our lives. This one hater who, who loves to steer our ship in a direction opposite the direction we were going, right? This one hater who, at the moment when we're so close to that breakthrough or achievement, just pulls us back away from it, back to right to where we were. The most destructive hater of them all. Ourselves. And the truth is, we are our own worst hater. It's true. And it doesn't even matter what part of life you're in. It doesn't matter if you're just getting started with something or maybe you've been doing it for a while. Whenever you're trying to achieve that next level, those, those doubts, those excuses start coming in, right? That voice. I don't think I could do it. I'm not good enough. I'm, they're not going to like it. And it's dangerous. I mean, imagine all the amazing things we could have accomplished if we didn't let our voice get in the way. I mean, it and you're on this journey right now, whether you're trying to become a public speaker or start your own online business or, or whatever it is, you have to realize that this voice is always going to be there. But I want to encourage you, and this is the overall message of this exact podcast episode. I want to encourage you that no matter what, please keep going. The world needs you. Thank you so much for listening in. I appreciate it. Hopefully you've enjoyed this blast from the past, if you will, and account of 
just how much progress I've made since 2011. And guess what? I'm not stopping, and I know you're not either. So if you want all the show notes, which includes links to all the different presentations I mentioned here in this particular episode, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 230, and you'll find them all right there. Plus, I'd love for you to go there so you can let me know what you think of this episode, please. smartpassiveincome.com slash session 230. We actually didn't even play the theme music here like normal, but you know what? This wasn't a normal episode, and again, I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear the theme music, just... uh, look in the archive or look forward to next week. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.